Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter number 20 is where we are this morning. Acts chapter number 20 is where we are. It's where we will be studying this morning, beginning with verse number 17. Acts chapter number 20, beginning with verse number 17. We'll go to verse 32. Once you have it, if you would stand in honor and reverence to God's holy word. Acts chapter number 20 beginning with verse number 17. This is how it reads. Now from Miletus, he, the apostle Paul, sent to Ephesus, called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wills will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're in this sermon series called Committed. And in this series, we've looked at four texts. The first week, we said that we were committed to the mission that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us. We are called to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. The next week, Pastor Dominic did a splendid job in Acts chapter 2 of reminding us about Pentecost and the wonderful reversals of Bible in the exile. And we are committed to living by the Spirit. Then we said the next week that we were committed to the gospel. That is our message, and we will proclaim no other message. Then in last week, we said we were committed 
to being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That is what we saw in the early church after many came to faith after the preaching of the gospel. They were committed to the apostles' doctrine and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And we said, we, if we're going to be committed, we must make progress in being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. But if we're going to be committed to the mission and living by the Spirit and the gospel and to being fully devoted followers of Christ, who then is leading us on this mission? Whose job is it to make sure we're committed to the gospel and not some other message? How do we remain committed to the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship? The Lord has not left his church without leaders. He has left them with leaders to direct them, guide them, guard them, and protect them. The Lord Jesus Christ, the great head of the church, has delegated authority to lead his church to elders who are called shepherds throughout the New Testament. So this week, we are affirming that as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are committed to being a shepherd-led community. We are committed to being a shepherd-led community. And if we are committed to being a shepherd-led community, we must know what the responsibility of shepherds are. But then that also entails that there are responsibility on us as sheep who follows these, who follow these shepherds. When we look here in Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul is on the final stretch of his race here on the earth as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's on his missionary journey, and he's headed toward Jerusalem. That's his goal. But on the way to Jerusalem, he stops in Miletus, but first calls the spiritual leaders of the church that he planted in Ephesus. And he says, come to me. He wants to give them a final farewell. And it is in this final farewell that he gives them this message, this charge about how to be faithful leaders in the local church. Look with me, if you will. First of all, at Paul's example of a spiritual church leader. Look at me, look with me at his example. The Apostle Paul starts off by reminding the elders in verse 18 how he lived among them. He wants them to re-examine his lifestyle among them. And I think he wants them to re-examine his lifestyle for two reasons. One, he wants to establish his credibility as a leader. For those of you who are leaders in any capacity, leadership begins with you modeling how one should live, conduct themselves, work hard, and the like. Your example is what gives you credibility as a leader. Friends, integrity is the currency of leadership. So he wants them, first of all, to model his, to, to, to consider his lifestyle. But he also wants them to learn from how he lived among them so that they will follow his example. So now Paul sets out in these first 10 or 11 verses to talk about how he has lived among them. And let's look briefly at his lifestyle, his living among these elders. He says, I, I lived among you as a servant. 
Verse 19, he says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Paul, look how Paul sees himself. Paul sees himself as a servant. That, that, that's this idea of a servant is one who is owned by another. In ancient Greece, personal freedom was a prized possession. Therefore, Greeks felt contempt for the position of a slave. But Paul proudly wore the title of servant or bond slave as a badge of honor. It was Paul's delight, his joy, his calling to be appointed a servant of Jesus Christ. He realized my life is not my own. It belongs to Jesus. He did it with humility. He didn't think too highly of himself. He saw himself in proper perspective. He said, I came to you serving, but I also came to you teaching. Verse 20, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. The apostle Paul refused to keep silent despite the persecution he experienced. He, he did not hold back. He taught what they wanted to hear and what they did not want to hear. The Apostle Paul, when it came to teaching, uh, he refused to compromise. He didn't shy away from unpopular topics. He didn't have to worry or he did not worry about being canceled by the culture. He preached and taught the truth as revealed by God. He says, I taught the whole counsel of God. He was serving, he came serving, he came teaching, but he also came evangelizing. That's verse 21. He says, I was testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice to whom he evangelized, Jews and Greeks. For the Apostle Paul, the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, 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 did not allow for any kind of discrimination. He proclaimed the gospel to all people without distinction of their ethnicity. Beloved, that's what Christ calls us to do in the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, of all ethnicities. Like Paul, we too must proclaim, proclaim the gospel to all kinds of people, rich and poor, white and black, urban and suburban, east and even if they live on the west. <laughs> they definitely need Jesus. <laughs> Paul's, the content of his testimony, of his evangelizing was repentance and faith. Repentance, that's a turning away from idols and sin and turning toward God. Faith is trust, total confidence, complete reliance on the person and finished work of Jesus Christ. This is the only means to forgiveness of sins. These are the only means of being right with God. He said, not only did I come serving, not only did I come teaching, not only did I come evangelizing, but I also came sacrificing. He's headed to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to him there. All he knows is that in every city, imprisonment and afflictions await him. Yet, he still goes. Why? Verse 24. This, this verse arrested my attention this week. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. Notice Paul's view on his life, it is of no value to me. The only value in life for Paul was doing God's will. Life was valuable to Paul only when he surrendered all of his life to God. His aim in life was to do God's will. 
Paul found meaning, satisfaction, purpose, and fulfillment in his life by surrendering it all to God. And friends, many of us need to lean in here because many of us are stuck in the rut of life because we are too stuck on ourselves. We've made life all about us. Your life, child of God, wholly exists to glorify God and serve God. And if you are not doing that, oh my gosh, you are wasting your life. Here's a takeaway from you this morning. Stop wasting your life. A life not fully surrendered to God is the waste of a life. What's your aim in life, child of God? Is it just to please yourself, to live for yourself? The fulfilled life is the life completely surrendered to God in the service of Jesus Christ. The fulfilled life is the life completely surrendered to God in the service of Christ. That's Paul's example. That's actually the free stuff this morning. Where I want us to focus the rest of our time this morning is on Paul's exhortation to these elders in verses 28 through 32. Let's look together at his exhortation to the elders. He says, first of all, To be a faithful elder in the church of Jesus Christ, you first must watch out for yourselves. Watch out for yourselves. This is the first task of the leader. Before, notice that before Paul deals with actual job responsibility, he first deals with the spiritual requirements of the elder. Friends, godly character is the prerequisite for leadership in the church. Character precedes competency. The first responsibility of the leader in God's church is self-care. Now, by self-care, I'm not talking about massages and pedicures. For, For the elders. Y'all are funny. In our text, Paul is telling the elders to give heed to and pay close attention to their spiritual life, their doctrine, their walk with the Lord. The spiritual leader needs to pay careful attention to their time with the Lord and his word and in prayer. The spiritual leader needs to pay careful attention to their commitment to the Lord's people and the Lord's day. Spiritual leaders need to pay careful attention to themselves because the Apostle Paul knows that the flesh is weak and the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Sin is always crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to the things of the Spirit. So as leaders, we got to be paying close attention to our own hearts. Essentially, the Apostle Paul teaches us, if you do not take care of your own self, you cannot take care of the flock of God. So we first must watch over ourselves. We must guard our hearts, for from it flow the issues of life. So we care for ourselves, we watch over ourselves, but then now he tells them the practical responsibilities of leading the church. We watch over ourselves, but then secondly, we must watch over the flock. Paul says in verse 28 that elders, through the Holy Spirit, have been made overseers of the flock. And actually, before he goes there, he tells them that this flock is the church that has been purchased by God. So elders, remember that you don't own the church. This is God's church and your leadership is a stewardship. God is entrusting you with something that cost him his very life. 
And this is not just something that the elders need to realize, but all of us as the church need to realize that this is how much the church matters to God. He gave his son for it. How, how, how did Christ love the church? He gave himself for it. And this, 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 this idea of Christ shedding his blood for the, because of his love for the church ought to endear us all the more to Christ, but also to his body. This is the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. So he says, you as elders, as overseers of the flock. He says, you've been made overseers by the Holy Spirit. What is this idea of overseers? Notice, notice, I want you to notice something, because this word overseers, episkopos, in the Greek where we get our word episcopal from, um, or at KJV, the King James uh, would translate this term bishop. Notice here that elders do the work of overseeing. Elders, the office of elder is not a separate office from overseer. Elders are overseers. Elders are bishops. They, they are not two separate. Elders describe the spiritual maturity required of the office. And notice I said spiritual maturity, not, not this. It, it, to be an elder requires spiritual maturity. It doesn't speak necessarily to age. Age only tells you how long you've been on the road. It doesn't tell you how far you've gone down the road. That's, that's why Apostle Paul told his young son Timothy, let no one despise your age. So, so being an elder is not necessarily has to do with the age, it has to do with the maturity. And so that talks about the maturity required of the office, but overseeing is the function of the office. What is an overseer? An overseer is one who watches. It is a guardian. It is one who provides loving care and concern. It's a watcher. Oftentimes, like this last night, Connie and I, we will have errands to run or we'll go on a date and we will let Brianna know she has the awesome privilege of watching Lily. While we're running out the door, we say, Brie, you need to watch Lily. Now, that's a comprehensive term. When we say watch Lily, that doesn't mean uh, stop and just stare at her. That's not what we mean by watch. By watch, we're telling her and sometimes her lame brother, I mean her brother, to keep their eyes on her, to make sure she's safe and doesn't do anything irrational. When we're telling her to watch her, we're saying also provide for her basic needs of life like food, water, shelter. Friends, that's the sense of being an overseer. It's one who watches for the purposes of protection and provision. This is the word, this is a word that's used of the Lord God himself. The Lord watches over his people. He watches over the land of his people. To care for them, too, because he's concerned for them. And that's what we as elders are to do as overseers. We are to be, ought to be concerned with the welfare of those in our trust. So elders are overseers. We have watch over the flock. But then he says, also, I want you to care for the church of God. That's verse 28. Overseers are to care for the church of God. Not only are they to oversee the flock, but they also pastor the flock. That word care in verse 28 comes from the same word that we use for the title pastor. To pastor is to shepherd. So real quick, I want you to see something. Elders are overseers and elders are pastors. Here we see Paul teaching us and showing us that these are not three distinct offices, but they're all one office. 
Elders are overseers and they are pastors. Pastors are overseers and elders and all of that other configuration. They're all the same. Elders do the work of overseeing and pastoring. What do shepherds do? Let me give you this and we'll I'll be done. Shepherds know the sheep. First thing the shepherds must do is know the sheep. In the ancient Near East, the shepherds often lived among their flocks. They smelled like their sheep. But because they lived among their flock, they had an intimate knowledge of their flocks. They knew when they were well and when they were lacking. That's why we hear King David saying in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus also confirms this intimate knowledge between sheep and their shepherds. In John chapter 10, verse 27, there he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The job of the elder overseer pastor is to know their sheep. That's why, and this is important, because oftentimes we, when, uh, uh, in the history of the church, uh, in the, at least the contemporary age, when we start looking for elders, we used, there used to be this idea, we're just going to go find us some good businessmen. Because if they can run a business, then they ought to be able to run the church. Eh, wrong. Because you can be a, uh, just because you have a successful business doesn't mean you've done it with integrity and with character. You ever heard of Enron? Those are the type of men a lot of churches would go look for to serve on their elder team. But it starts with character. It starts with one of the primary responsibilities of the elders, and this is where we've tried to lean into this more at the bridge, is we want to do the hard work of shepherding our people by knowing our people. And we've made tremendous progress over the last few years in this. Well, one of the things that uh, you hopefully members of the bridge are experiencing are, are some form of regular check-ins from an elder here at the bridge. As a member of the bridge, you can and should expect contact from one of the elders in this church. And the, now, let me make something clear. The purpose of this contact is to know you. All right? We're not calling you uh, because you're in trouble. You did something wrong. This, this is something we do to be proactive. We, we call these elder check-ins, and the purpose is to check in on your total well-being, spiritual, the mental, emotional, the physical. We ask, we, we, we oftentimes will ask about your marriage, your children, your work, and your walk with the Lord. And this is, friends, because we love you. We care for you. We're concerned for you. And we want to be found faithful before the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we do to know our flock, the sheep that have made an official covenant with us for us to be their shepherds and to have oversight of their discipleship. So we want to know you. So one of the things for you is to open up your, your heart, your, your life, and your schedule for us to be able to do this with you. We are your elders, and what we discuss as elders stays among us as elders. We, for us to know you, you have to be vulnerable for us to really know you. We don't want to know you at a surface level. That's not how sheep and shepherds knew each other in Scripture. We want to know you much more beneath the surface. So elders know the flock. But not only do elders know the flock, but they also feed the flock. They feed the flock. How do elders feed the flock? With the word of God. The word of God is to be the steady diet of the people of God. The people of God are to feast upon the word of God. 
This idea of the word of God being food for the people of God is throughout scripture. I want to share with you a few verses so you see this. In Ezekiel chapter 3, Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. Here's how it reads. And he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll. The scroll had the words of God upon them. And go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave to me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I will give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. God's word is as sweet as honey. Look at Jeremiah chapter 15, verse number 16. Jeremiah 15, verse number 16, your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, uh, uh, when, when the devil offered to Jesus stones to be turned into bread, Jesus said this, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We see this idea of the word of God being nourishment for the people of God, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready. That's kind of a bummer. But, but still we see... Paul is saying, I am feeding you. I guess I could have found another one. But what we see here is that the word of God is nourishment for the people of God. This is how we, we get strong and become steady and stable and not, and, not, and not blown over by every wind of doctrine. When we feast upon God's word, and my heart breaks because I think many of us in the church are malnourished. And I hope that over time you will grow this appetite for God's word. So this is the primary duty of the elder, the teaching of God's word. That is what you should expect from your elders, and that's what you should hold us accountable for. Not only do shepherds know their sheep, not only do they feed their sheep, but they also lead their sheep. They lead their sheep. We see this concept of leading in Psalm 23. When David said uh, of the Lord, he, he leads me beside still waters. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Shepherds direct and guide their flocks to places where they can flourish and find rest in God's will. Shepherds figure out where the flock is going. So for us today, what does that look like? Our elders are constantly having discussions about mission, vision, strategy, shepherding, leading, also involves supervision and management. That's how we lead. Shepherds also, not only do they lead, shepherds also protect the sheep. The job of the shepherd is also to provide protection from danger. Look, look at verse 29. Paul says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. The elders, the role of the elders is to protect the flock from the wolves. Who are wolves? False teachers. The, and, and, and Paul says they're going to come from without and from within. And the goal of these wolves will be to create a following for them, for themselves, and not for Christ. 
These false teachers will desire the fame, the glory, the credit, and all the acclaim and all the money. They will want a lot of followers on Instagram. And Paul says these wolves are dangerous. They will devour and destroy your faith. They will kill your spiritual life. Let me help. I want you. I want to help us real quick because I know there. Some of you cringe when I call out certain pastors by name. And I get it, because y'all are so nice. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what we'll blame it on. But friends, the reason I do this is because I love you. And I, as your pastor, elder, am trying to protect you. I am not a real shepherd if I'm not alerting you to the presence of wolves in your midst. Your job, you welcome, your job, is to avoid wolves. You can't avoid them if you don't know them. By the way, there is biblical precedence for calling out wolves. Can I show it to you? Good. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. The apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened, false teaching. And they are upsetting the faith of some. Paul calls out these false teachers by name. And he's writing this letter, we, it's, he's, though he's writing directly to, to Timothy, it's expected that it will be heard by the whole local church. Paul says they're teaching, you need to know who they are, so you will uh, uh, reject their teaching, give no hearing to their teaching until they repent from their false teaching. This is one aspect of protecting. And so we have to deal with, as elders now, we're going to have to, that's why we have to have classes like uh, 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 Pastor Dominic is teaching on marriage, sexuality, and gender. Because there's a lot of false teaching coming out of churches. Not just the culture, churches. And so we've got to come back and say, y'all, y'all don't listen to the culture. Let's listen to God's word. And let's see what God's word says about marriage, sexuality, and gender. Because we're trying to protect you from the false teaching that's out there. So Paul's ammunition, <laughs> this has been going so well. Watch this. Look at what Paul says in verse 31. He says, therefore, be alert. Be alert, friend, is one word in the Greek. And when you look it up in the Greek dictionary, this is how it says. It says it means to stay awake. So Paul's word to the elders and to us is this, stay woke. I ain't never scared. We're going to recapture this idea that the culture has weaponized and we're going to think about it Christianly. We have to stay in a state of alertness because the wolves are out and they are trying to convince you that God's word is not God's word. They're trying to teach you that marriage is not between one man and one woman. The, the, the wolves are out. So you know what? Stay alert. Don't, don't, don't go to sleep on the job. What do we do? Here's the application. If you're here today, first of all, as we get ready to go home, now that we've heard about this job of teaching 
this job of elders being shepherds. For somebody in this room, you first need to trust in the great shepherd. First Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, speaking of Jesus, says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Beloved, this is gospel language here. Jesus died for the sins of the world on a cursed tree, which we, we know as the cross. Friend, he died for your sins. You are the one that is, you, that, that is straying like sheep. And he died so that you can be forgiven of your sins. And your response to today is to repent and turn to Christ. And when you turn to Christ, Jesus is become the chief shepherd and overseer of your soul. And so for somebody, the response to today's word is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your greatest need right now is not elders in the church. Your greatest need is the chief shepherd the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's a wonderful shepherd. He loves, he leads, he guides, he feeds. He says, he says, my sheep hear my voice. He says, and I know them. Watch this. Friend of God, if you have not trusted in Jesus, Jesus already knows the worst about you and still says, I want you in my family. That's love. That's the kind of shepherd I want to follow. Who knows all about my troubles and my faults and my sin and says, but and that shepherd says, I'll die for you. I will lay down, I have laid down my life for you. Come to me. Friends, the sheep gate is open today for you to come in. So for someone in this room or on this stream, you need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who are believers, a few points of application. First of all, pray for your elders. Pray for our hearts. Pray for our personal holiness. Pray for wisdom and discernment. We need you to pray for us. Keep us in your prayers. This is a weighty task. This is the church of God that we have been entrusted with. We need your prayers. Just because we are elders doesn't mean that we don't have troubles, sin struggles, fight discouragement. We need you to pray for us. Secondly, you need to hear the word of God from your elders. Hear the word of God from your elders. Your elders need to be the primary people you go to in order to learn God's word. Now, you can supplement that with other elders outside of the church. But that shouldn't be your primary means for receiving instruction from God's word. You need to listen and hear the word from your elders. But the, the, the weight of the teaching ministry when we gather on Sundays on Pastor Dominic and I, and I can tell you, we do a lot of work to prepare this word from you every week. I know sometimes it don't always seem like it, but we do try really hard. Every week we are writing a major term paper to prepare for the people of God to feast upon. We have done the hard work uh, of going through seminary, even being sharpened by other preachers in this city. We, we, we do the language studies, the word studies. We work hard at this job. So you can, you, there is a level of trust you can have with us. Just because John Piper says something different from us doesn't mean John Piper is automatically right and we're wrong. 
I know John Pepper has been at this for a long time. And we work hard like John Piper does too. We work hard like Tim Keller does too. Who else of y'all's preachers? We work hard. Hear the word of God. So, so please hear me. I, I, I'm not jealous of it. I listen to John Piper. Do y'all know how many? I, I can tell y'all the number of sermons that I, I listen to per week and read to prepare after I've done my own study. I'm doing it too. But I supplement that with what I hear from my own people. And I want you to do that as well. Hear the word of God from your elders. That is our primary role is to teach you. Thirdly, you should submit to your elders. I got Bible to back me up. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. Hebrews 13, verse number 17 says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Elders have been authorized by the Lord Jesus Christ to lead his church. And they will be held accountable for their leadership of the flock by Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And because they are authorized leaders by Christ through the spirit, they are to be obeyed. They are to be followed. Now, I'm not calling you to a blind following. You are to be discerning. You are to be wise. You are to follow us as we lead according to God's word and as we demonstrate that we are being spirit-led. That's what I'm calling you to. That's why joining a church is very serious. It shouldn't just be done uh, haphazardly. It should be done prayerfully and with wisdom because you have a responsibility to submit to us as your elders. And I know this is hard to preach today because there's a lot of spiritual abuse happening in the church. And it is heartbreaking. That's why you need to make sure you're doing a church where the elders are men of strong character. And the word of God is leading them. Now, I've given my caveat, but I'm going to go back to what I said originally. Submit to your leaders. That is the word of God. That is what God says you are to do. And to not do it, friends, is sin. When you don't submit to the, uh, to the elders, they are not able to lead you with joy, but with groaning, is what the word of God says. You bring grief to your leader. Don't be a source of grief for your leaders. Them leading you should be a source of joy. You're, you, listen, the, the, your sin struggles, they, they do break our hearts, but that's not what really causes us to groan and grieve, according to this text. It's when you won't follow our leadership here at this church. If you, at some point, you lose confidence in us as your leaders, the first thing you should do is come and talk to us. Let's make sure there is an understanding about whatever is causing you to lose confidence in us. Let's make sure we are on the same page, first of all. And if we need to repent, we should and we must. But if for some reason you no longer have confidence in us and leaders, you need to find a like-minded church where you can joyfully submit and obey your leaders. Let me say this. Worship team, come back up. This is why you need to be a member of a local church so that you can carry out this responsibility to submit to your leaders. I know we live in a low commitment culture now. But that's not Christianity, church. That's why we're in this series called Committed. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving your church without earthly leaders. So, God, we pray right now for the shepherds of this church, the Bridge Church, that we would be men of integrity, men of holiness. Help us, God, to experience victory over sin, 
God, help us to, to lead by example. Help our God to be an example of how to faithfully follow the Lord Jesus Christ. God, help us as elders to lead by the spirit and not the flesh. Help us to lead with biblical wisdom and not the wisdom of the world. God, we need your spirit to lead us and to guide us as we shepherd this flock that you've entrusted to us. Forgive us, God, for any missteps. Forgive us for any times or areas of unfaithfulness. Forgive us if they're because of our ignorance even. We've abdicated our responsibilities as elders. Continue, God, to grow us, teach us. But God, now I pray for the people that you've entrusted to us. God, help them to trust us, to, to continue to grow in their trust of us and their confidence in us. God, I pray right now that our people would feast upon the word of God on a regular basis and to receive the word as it is preached and taught from this platform on a regular basis. Lord, we love you and we thank you for caring about your church so much that you have set us the order and by which your church must be led and governed. We thank you for the church. We thank you for the blood that Jesus shed Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.